0: We're in Matthew's gospel again, chapter 11. I'll begin in verse 2. When John heard in prison that the, what the Messiah was doing, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, are you the one who is to come or are we to wait for another? Jesus answered them, go and tell John what you see and hear. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. And blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you do? What what did you go to the wilderness to look at? Among those born of women, no one has arisen greater than John the Baptist. Yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Amen. Well, here we go again with John the Baptist. Last week, remember, he's out in the wilderness looking like Hagrid in Harry Potter He's yelling, he's preaching about the time fulfilled, the one who's coming. And when that one comes, he will chop down this dead wood. New rain will begin. One is coming, I'm not worthy to carry his sandals, John says. He's in a long line of prophets who've come to declare that God's work isn't over. God will still send Messiah, the one who is coming to save. (coughs) Pardon me. Some people thought John actually was the Messiah. And and, and why not? I mean, they haven't heard preaching like this in 500 years. John has lots of followers. He's a full-time preacher after all. And it's certain that he's not going to get a job as a CPA looking like that he 's peculiar he 's hard on sin he 's preaching the truth when other so called prophets were just telling the king what he wanted to hear. John is an authentic voice of truth telling, so could he be the one? Many people thought so also he 's from a long line of priests his His dad Zachariah, was a priest in the temple. He'd been in and around ministry his whole life. Remember, Jesus' dad was a carpenter. So some thought John might be the one. But John put a stop to that. No. One is coming, and I'm not fit to tie his shoes. But still, John keeps on preaching the truth. And that can get you into some trouble. Most people do like the preacher to come down hard on other people's sins, but not so much theirs. And it turns out that preaching critically about the king will put a country evangelist in some serious trouble. King Herod Antipas was divorcing his wife in order to marry his half-brother's ex-wife. I'm not making this up. The king is divorcing his wife to marry Herodias, the ex-wife of his brother, and John calls him on it. It was wrong. John said so. It was bold preaching, but it also means that John is now in prison on the eastern shore of the Dead Sea. I guess I should be thankful. Y'all just complain at lunch about sermons you don't like. Nobody... Preachers don't get thrown in jail much. It's kind of nice. Well, John's sitting in a jail cell and disillusioned. Nothing grand is happening. This isn't the kind of Messiah he was expecting. This isn't the kind of Messiah anybody is expecting. Jesus isn't doing anything revolutionary. He's off healing a leper, healing the servant of a Roman centurion. He's supposed to be bringing in a new reign, punishing the wicked, making a clean sweep, not performing healings of marginal people up in the Galilee. Jesus is not doing what is expected. He's not inaugurating his powerful kingdom with fireworks and splendor. He's not overturning the Roman occupation. In, In fact, Not only that, he went to the home of a Roman officer to perform a healing. Meanwhile, John is rotting away in a prison where sunlight is a stranger and there's no relief in sight. John's been preaching that that when the Messiah comes, he'll come with an axe. He will chop down the dead wood in this world. The Messiah will establish justice on the earth. But it doesn't seem to be happening. Instead, Jesus is off healing people on the margins. Like lepers. and A man possessed by a demon and a woman with a hemorrhage. What is that all about? And if Jesus is not setting the world straight with an announcement of a new king why isn't Jesus helping John get out of jail? So John sits in prison and asks, why is Jesus not coming through for me? Why is Jesus not helping me out of my current situation? Is this the one? Or should we look for another? If we're honest, we've asked that question too. Isn't it a relief when somebody asks our question? Is Jesus the real thing or should we look for another? In the dark night, I've asked it. You have too. Is Jesus the real thing or should we look for another? I've heard this year, I've heard many of you ask that question in a lot of different forms. The untimely death of a brother or a friend. And you ask, how could this be? Is Jesus the real thing or not? You sat on crinkly white paper in the doctor's office and she said, it's back. This time it's malignant. Or over a tense and quiet morning coffee, he said to you, I just don't love you anymore. I'm filing for divorce. You prayed for a new job. You prayed for your son's healing. You prayed for the pain to subside. And Jesus is off in Galilee instead, not sitting next to your prison cell. This year, you walked the halls of Grady Hospital and the Shepherd Center. And you asked, is this the one or should we look for another? I find so much comfort in John's disillusionment. It kind of normalizes my own seasons of wonder. John of all people. Remember, John's been out there preaching with confidence. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John was there at the baptism When the spirit descended on Jesus and an audible voice said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. If anybody should be sure, anybody beyond doubt and disillusionment, it should have been been John. I mean, if you were there when the clouds parted and you heard the voice from God, you would think that would get it settled, right? But even John can get discouraged. When life lands hard, even the most faithful among us can stare at the, ce- at the ceiling of our prison cell and wonder, is this the one, or should we look for another? But the hope, the hope in this Christmas story is found in what John does with his disillusionment and with the response of Jesus. Jesus. John's in prison, but he still has friends. They come by and check on him. They chat with him through the cracks in the prison there, slip him a little bag of fresh locust, a little snack. It's his favorite. John asked some of the followers who come by to visit Would you go up to Galilee, find Jesus, and ask him, Are you the one who is to come? Or are we to wait for another? So they make the journey to Galilee and they ask him just that. And Jesus responds, go tell John what you see and hear. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have good news brought to them. But that's no answer at all. The question was, are you or are you not the Messiah? And Jesus seems to sidestep the question, and his answer is actually part of John's complaint. Jesus answers by saying that he's going along the countryside, saving a few people from their ailments, The Messiah is supposed to be punishing the wicked, rescuing the perishing, setting the world straight. Jesus is off in the north country healing a woman with a hemorrhage. But to John's credit, he does take his disillusionment straight to Jesus, which is not a bad model at all. In the dark and unsure days, it's not a bad idea to turn toward Jesus Instead of away, he sent word by his disciples and said to Jesus, turned toward Jesus and said, Are you the one who is to come or should we wait? And Jesus' answer is a paraphrase of a passage from Isaiah. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have good news brought to them. And there's this little side note here that I think's a little bit funny. There's one part of that Isaiah passage that Jesus leaves out. Did you catch it? Here's the part of the Isaiah reading that Jesus didn't include in what he said. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners. In other words, John, I'm out here healing the sick, but I'm not coming to get you out of jail. One by one, a woman with a hemorrhage, a man with a demon, a man whose skin is torn up by leprosy, This isn't a revolution that's going to be covered by CNN. John the Baptist wanted Rome overturned, a physical kingdom, a political revolution. And Jesus is saving one person at a time, an inward and moral kingdom, a spiritual revolution. And Jesus says to the disciples of John, Go back and tell him stories of a few people getting saved. And then he praises John the Baptist. No offense taken. You're disillusioned. I get it. But the kingdom is brought. that's being brought is a spiritual kingdom that works in the life of one person at a time. I was with a group of friends... Last week, we were sitting around talking about a lot of the Atlanta challenges, the access to health care and income inequality and the poor state of the Atlanta public school system, the criminal justice mess, all of that, and we started talking about big ideas and reforms and lobbies and legislations, and one of the people in our group stopped us all cold. She said, my dad was born to a 14-year-old mother, passed around the family from relative to relative until he finally ended up in a boarding house when he was in the 10th grade, talked his way into the military at age 17, went to college on the GI Bill and made something of himself. But throughout his life, over and over and over, even by teachers... He was told he would never amount to anything. But she said, a few, just a few people along the way encouraged him, gave him goals to live up to. And she said, now as an adult, I know the names of every one of those people because they played such a central role in my dad's life. She said, it's good for us to think big, but don't underestimate the power of caring for one vulnerable young person in Atlanta because my dad was saved by that kind of love. The way of the kingdom is that one person is healed at a time. One person saved by love. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news. Now it's true that sweeping and legislative changes come about because of those who walk and hear and see. They engage their liberated imagination to work for others, but first, it's the healing touch of Jesus Transforming one marginal life at a time. Jesus didn't answer the question from the disciples of John with one of those I am statements from John's gospel. Jesus didn't answer directly at all. When the followers asked, Are you or are you not the one? Jesus said, Look around. Sick people are made well. Lame people walk. The poor have good news. Talk is cheap. Are the broken people in this world being made whole by my ministry or not? Remember, part of the scandal of Christmas is that the Messiah was born in a feeding trough to a teenage girl of no important lineage. The baby coming into the world to inaugurate a new kingdom, but not with army and palace and splendor. As I said, this revolution doesn't get covered on CNN. This baby is coming into the world to save one broken person at a time. So if you're broken, Jesus came for you by name. I would welcome the chance to talk to you about what that might mean for you. If you are ready to talk about how the baby in the manger came to save you, it will make all the difference in your life. Something grand is happening. You do not need to look for another. The holy child came to heal and to restore hope. I would love to have that conversation. But it is also true that those who have been made whole by the love of God in Christ are called on all of us to participate in the Christmas miracle. God sent Jesus to reclaim the world through love and Christ followers roll up their sleeves, open their checkbooks, and make sure they are part of that redemptive story. There's a popular Amish uh, story from Amish country up in northern Indiana. You know, the Amish community there, they wear their black clothes and ride their buggies and make their furniture, and they have this separate kind of peculiar lifestyle. And so it brings a lot of tourists, people who just want to kind of peek in and see what this odd and simple life is all about. Well, I don't know if this story is true or not, but this is the way the story is told. It's that one of these curious tourists stopped an Amish man and asked him, Are are you Christian? Are you a Christian? The man pointed down the street to a house and he said, You see that house over there? That's the house of my next door neighbor. If you want to know if I'm a Christian, you'll have to ask him. We participate in the Christmas miracle when we join the mission of the Holy Child. When we are a part of bringing sight to the blind and good news to the poor. So on that score, if your neighbor were to answer the question about whether or not you were a Christian how you think you'd do. Let's stand and sing our faith together. Thanks for joining us. If you live in the Atlanta area or visiting Atlanta, come and worship with us in person on Sundays at Second Ponstelian Baptist Church.